You need to set boundaries when it comes to alcohol. The Bible warns about the seductive and destructive nature of alcohol, for the scripture says in Proverbs 20 and 1, it's in your Bible, if you haven't torn the page out, it says, wine is a marker, strong drink, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 23, 29 through 35 says, who has anguish, who has sorrow, who is also fighting? You know, alcohol make you fight. Who is always complaining? No wonder so, so many complainers. Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the tavern trying out new drinks, new concoction of drinks. Hurricanes, drinks, sex on the beach. Long Island iced tea. Now, it ain't regular tea. <laughs> is it called Ciroc? What is that? C oh, Ciroc. Oh, look at Thank y'all for correcting me. <laughs> okay, Ciroc. <laughs> Verse 31. Don't gaze at the wine. Seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smooth it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. That's in the Bible. Verse 34, you will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. You're so drunk, you, you don't even know you've been in a fight. I didn't even know, it says in Scripture, I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? Now, you know that's drunk. Even though the Bible does not forbid drinking of alcohol, it warns about its devastating effects. Let me give you some stats. I'm going to run right through these. Uh, alcohol is a billion-dollar business. It's a billion-dollar business. People drink when they rise up in the morning. They drink at lunch. They drink at happy hour. They drink before they go to bed. They drink when they're happy. They drink when they're depressed. They drink when they're angry. They drink when their loved one dies. They drink when they have problems, and they drink in celebration of Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. Oh, it's Father's Day. Let's have a drink in special events. While most people can drink socially and not become alcoholics, others gradually increase the amount of alcohol they consume until their drinking gets out of control. Still, others have a genetic predisposition to alcohol and quickly lose control. Nationally recognized family counselor Doris Wildhelmering recommends we pay attention to the following signs. Your tolerance for alcohol is increasing. Where one drink relaxed you in the past, now it takes two or three. Uh, you drink every day. You've been thinking about cutting down on how much you drink or quitting completely, but you never do. You're beginning to drink more when you are alone. Uh, your spouse or friends remark that you are drinking more than usual. Uh, you control your drinking during the week, but you binge drink on the weekend. 
Alcohol can affect every aspect of your life from your personal relationships to your job and your health. Long-term overuse can have devastating effects such as weight gain. Don't, don't try to lose weight while you're drinking. And can have an adverse effect on almost every organ in your body, including your brain, heart, and liver. Also, alcohol is an expensive habit financially. You got people who buy all this stuff and can't even tie. Buy all this stuff and broke. They're buying alcohol and can't pay rent. Can't meet your car, no payment on time. But you got your alcohol. Be warned, never go back and engage in that which the Lord has delivered you from, lest you become re-enslaved and your latter state becomes worse than your first. Also, alcohol can also damage your Christian testimony and cause your children and others to stumble. You, you got that stuff all in, your, uh, all in, uh, in the refrigerator and, and you got your coolers and all that stuff and it's loaded with that stuff. You can handle it. Your children stumble into alcoholism and they cannot recover. It is wrong and selfish to insist on your personal freedom in Christ while your brother or your children is struggling, weak, and could possibly have a setback or even fall. You drink it with someone who, who has been delivered from alcoholism, you put them in a position to fall right back to, into it to relapse. If you love your brother, you will deny yourself and not exercise your personal freedom in Christ for the sake of your weaker brother. It is our responsibility to help those who are weak to grow, to help those who are weak to develop, and to make spiritual progress in Christ. That's our goal, is to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to make spiritual progress. Also, the weaker Christian must not be content in his weakness. They're 20 years in Christ saying they're still, I'm still weak. When are you going to grow up? Also, the weaker Christian must not be content in his weakness, but rather growing in the knowledge of Christ. And the stronger Christian needs to exercise his love and patience when helping those who are weak to grow. Scripture says in Romans chapter 14, Scripture says in Romans chapter 14, verses 14 through 21, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. You know, don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. In other words, if someone is struggling with what you're doing, you willfully deny yourself for their sake because you don't want to see them in regression because of your action, even though you have freedom in Christ. Verse 16, then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Verse 19, so then let your aim for harmony in the church. So let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat, food, or any other things. Remember all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. 
it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. And then 1 Corinthians 8.13 says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest uh, I make my brother stumble. Now, some people got confused with this, and so I want to clarify this. Now, the Bible, th- th- this is not saying uh, you, you don't eat meat and all of us are called to be vegetarians, okay? It is not saying that. If you want to be vegan or vegetarian, that's by your own personal choice, and not <laughs> the Bible is not charging us with that. Now, some of you need to lighten up on all this crazy eating, but this is not saying be a vegetarian. The issue was not that. You said, what was the issue? Why was he saying this in the first place? Let me clarify. Uh, Paul was referring to Christians who struggle with eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. That was the issue. There were some believers in Corinth who had been newly saved from pagan idolatry and could not understand why their fellow believers would want to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Other believers knew that the idols were worthless. Other believers knew that the idols were false god and had no problems eating meat sacrificed to them because those false deities were absolutely worthless so they could eat meat in good conscience knowing that they had that freedom and idols meant nothing. But there are people who were saved out of that stuff, they still struggle with it, and they struggle when their brothers ate such things. Whether one eats or abstains from certain food or being a vegetarian does not make us more spiritual or acceptable to God. Beloved, you can be physically healthy and be spiritually weak or even spiritually lost. You see? You can be healthy. You only eat certain things. You only drink certain things. And you only, yeah, you, 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 all your herbs and all your this and all your exercises and all of this. And you have no, all lean, all, you just solid, healthy. And, but you, you're corrupt spiritually. You're weak or either you're lost even though you eat good. You eat healthy. If your spouse is uncomfortable with your drinking alcohol in the home, then you must abstain. Don't say, huh, she need to get over it. No, must abstain. Some of you need to establish boundaries. Some of you say, well, I'm not, I'm not, uh, alcohol is not my issue. I don't even drink. Well, let's go to your issue. Some of you need to establish boundaries with poor eating habits and non-alcoholic drinks as well. For example, sugary drinks such as sodas. Oh, somebody hollered. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Somebody hollered out then. Go on and shout. Uh, that's a cry of despair. <laughs> sodas. Uh, sodas can do much harm, so much harm to heart health, your heart, like junk food, according to research out of Harvard University. As little as one soda a day increases the risk of a heart attack by 35% and a stroke by 16%. Sugar increases the risk of type 2 diabetes, a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Refuse to live life on the edge. Some of you, uh, listen to this, refuse to live life on the edge to see how close you can get without falling into sin. That's what some of y'all want to do. Some of y'all want to do this stuff, and so you go all the way to the edge. Oh, ah, without falling (laughs) into sin. Let me give you a scripture for those of you who live on the edge. 
you want to do this stuff, but you go right to the line, and you put your little toe over that. Coop! You, you little teetotalers, you know. Let me, let me help you, for those of you who get to the line, but you want to go, you really want to cross the line. Proverbs 25, 28a says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let me say it again. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You say, what is that saying? If there are no walls in your life, if there are no boundaries in your life, then there is no protection, which means that anything can come in and out of your life with nothing to stop it. With absolutely nothing to what? To stop it. So you said, oh, I don't drink sodas, I don't drink alcohol. This preacher, I'm sitting pretty good. Okay, let's go to smoking. Christians are wise indeed if they abstain from cigarette smoking. Listen to what the Centers for Disease Control says about cigarette smoking. 16.8% of all U.S. adults, about 40 million people age 18 years or older, uh, were current cigarette smokers in 2014. Smoking leads to disease and disability and harm nearly every organ of the body. More than 16 million Americans are living with a disease caused by smoking. For every person who dies because of smoking, at least 30 people live with a serious smoking-related illness. Smoking causes cancer, heart disease, stroke, lung disease, diabetes, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which includes emphysema and chronic bronchitis. Smoking also increases the risk of tuberculosis, certain eye diseases, and problems of the immune system, including rheumatoid arthritis. Smoking is also a known cause for erectile dysfunction in males. That's another reason to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> you were not born with a chimney. Stop. Cigarette smoking is responsible for more than 480,000 deaths per year in the United States, including nearly 42,000 deaths resulting from secondhand smoke exposure. This is about one in five deaths annually or 1,300 deaths every day. On average, smokers die 10 years earlier than non-smokers. If smoking continues at the current rate among U.S. youth, 5.6 million of today's Americans younger than 18 years of age are expected to die prematurely from smoking-related illness. This represents about one in every 13 American aged 17 years or younger who are alive today. Listen to this. There is no risk-free level of exposure to secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke causes numerous health problems in infants and children, including more frequent and severe asthma attacks, respiratory infections, ear infections, and sudden, death, sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, some of the health conditions caused by secondhand smoke in adults include coronary heart disease, stroke, and lung cancer. Then you got smokeless tobacco. Uh, can lead to nicotine addiction, which causes cancer of the mouth, esophagus, and pancreas, and may increase the risk of death from heart disease and stroke. Then you got electronic cigarettes. Satan is just whooping y'all really good. Yuck, most of everything Satan put out there, folk are crazy enough to buy into it. Electronic cigarettes or e-cigarettes are part of a growing landscape of electronic nicotine delivery system that includes many different types of products such as vape pens and e-hookers.
According to the National Youth Tobacco Survey in 2014, over one in four U.S. high school students reported ever using e-cigarettes, and more than one in eight had used an e-cigarette in the past 30 days. Given these rapid increases in use, implementing proven strategies that reduce the use of all tobacco products, including e-cigarettes, may prevent further harm among youth in the United States. So you said, well, you're still not talking to me. I don't smoke. I don't use e-cigarettes. Okay, let's look at pornography. General pornography stats according boundaries. Bound, say boundaries. <clears throat> General pornography stats according to safefamilies.org and webroot.com. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet and $3,075.64 is spent on internet pornography. That is every second. 40 million American people regularly visit porn sites and some of them are in this congregation today. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. 25% of all internet searches are about 68 million searches per day are related to pornography. One third of porn viewers are women. 160,000 internet searches every day related to child pornography. About 200,000 Americans are porn addicts. Youth pornography stats. Nine out of 10 children between the ages of eight and 16 have viewed pornography on the internet, cell phones, and so, so forth, in most cases unintentionally, and, and a lot of cases intentionally. <laughs> Average age of first internet exposure to pornography is 11 years old. 12 to 17 years old are one of the largest consumer of internet porn. Youth with exposure to sexuality in the media were shown to be significantly more likely to have had intercourse at ages 14 to 16 because of, because of porn. Uh, it, it affects the, the marriage as well. Family and marriage pornography stats. According to the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families in 2010, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography was a problem in their homes. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 300%, not 100%, 300%. 40% of sex addicts lose their spouses 58% suffer considerable financial losses, and about a third lose their jobs. What do we do with all this? You say, you still didn't call mine. Well, whatever you're doing, whatever that is that I can't call, here's a word of wisdom for deliverance. Because why give all the stats and not give you a way out? Write every point down because we all need them or you know somebody that need them. How do we gain victory over our addictions? A, you must be born again through believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Only when you have the power of Christ within to, uh, can you receive the help that you sorely need. You gotta be born again. Colossians chapter one, verses 12 through 14 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
He has delivered. Say delivered. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us, you know, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Without Christ, there is no help. Without Christ, you cannot conquer. Without Christ, there is no hope. You're fighting a losing battle without Christ. No rehabs can deliver you. Christ has the power to conquer your addiction. B, you have to first admit that you have an addiction. Oh, I don't have it. Nothing wrong with me. Uh-uh, you got to admit that you have it. Confess and surrender your addiction to Jesus. Own up to it. Tell, tell God what you're doing, how much you do it. He knows anyway. He just wants you to own up to it so he can help you. Remaining in the state of denial will only perpetuate the problem. See? Uh, Psalms 32, 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You acknowledge it. Cry out to God. Tell God what it is. Cry out to God for deliverance. See, if you desire to be made well, to be made whole, you must identify your addictions be willing to confront them head on and resist them through the Holy Spirit's power. I repeat for those who are writing, if you desire to be made well, you must what? Identify your addictions, be willing to confront them head on and resist them through the Holy Spirit's power. John 5, 6 says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made whole? And listen, you will not conquer, uh, see, your addictions will not be conquered unless you desire to be healed, unless you desire to be made whole. D, have a spiritually mature accountability partner who can provide wise counsel and keep uh, confidentiality. Don't share your personal information with gossips, with a gossip. Accountability is essential to making progress and achieving victory over your addiction. Therefore, humble yourself and ask for help. The scripture says in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 15, 1 also says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, we are our brother's keeper. Regardless of how many accountability partners you have, Be mindful that you must hold your own self accountable by policing yourself because no one can follow you 24-7. You can call people, check in, email them or whatever and still be living a lie, be a hypocrite, living in sin. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm cool. Listen, you have to police yourself and realize that God is watching you. He is listening and he sees exactly what you're doing. Ultimately, you are accountable to God. You can fool man, you can slide by on man, you can deceive man, but you can't do it to God. E, we must run from temptation and the things that that will entangle and enslave us. We must run from temptation and the things that will entangle and enslave us. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as come to man. In other words, there's nothing new with temptation. Ever since Adam, there's been temptation. Nothing new. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond your able. 
but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. God will provide a way out if you want a way out. Some of you don't want a way out because you enjoy your sin. That you may be able to bear it. Elf, my friend, addiction is a disease. You got to realize that. Addiction is a disease, and apart from the power of Christ and crying out to him for deliverance over our addictions, there will be no deliverance. It is a sinful disease. You must see it as such. So so, uh, without Christ, you will not be healed. You cannot have victory over your addiction apart from confessing your sins and praying to God for your healing. Jeremiah 17, 14a says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Therefore, you must cry out to God for divine intervention over your addictions. Finally, the scripture says in Psalms 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. James 5, 14 through 17 says, if anyone among you is sick, if you have an addiction, you're sick. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your sins, your trespasses, your sins to one another and pray for one another like we're doing that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, a child even, avails much. In other words, prayer is effective. It is powerful. It breaks the yoke. It breaks the bondage. In closing, my friend, you cannot live the successful Christian life while living in sin and being enslaved by it. It's time for you to clean up your life, and you can't clean it up by yourself. So what does that mean? That means that you need to come to Christ now. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.